I can have what it says I can have. Today, I boldly declare. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word today. I thank you God is falling on good ground. You definitely know it's going to be all you today. So amen. Amen. You may be seated. (laughs) All right, so I want to talk to you from the topic of when the water breaks. When the water breaks. When the water breaks. So in 1999, I was 70 pounds heavier because I had this big old fat juicy baby named Heaven just floating around on the inside. I swole up. I had to wear ebon shoes because my little feet were all swollen. Just looked like Shamu on a good day. But it was okay. My dad, I remember, keep coming up for the, um, the, pre- uh, the birth, right? Because the baby was scheduled at a certain time. But old heaven, old heaven. Old heaven did not want to come the week she was scheduled, nor the week after. So she just kind of just wanted to just play around inside there. And I was excited for her playing around in there because I had gotten used to being pregnant. And I really loved being pregnant because I really wanted my kids. You know, so I enjoyed being pregnant. And I remember my dad coming up when it was scheduled. And, of course, he had to leave because she was delayed. And when he saw me, he was like, oh, my God, you're so big. I said, and that would be a compliment. Where? In which country? Do you say that? So I had to forgive him. And then, uh, so, so anyway, so, you know, they, we, you know, me and Evan, we went to a little mass class, you know, we were doing all this stuff, you know, the first baby and poor little Landon is like an abandoned child, but heaven, she got like everything, you know? So we were at the mass classes and, you know, sweet, you need to breathe and all this kind of stuff we're planning until the unexpected happens. Okay. So we were in this apartment and I remember, you know, I was just piddling around with my huge and excited self. And then I just felt something go like that. Just, just like, I had never felt any kind of pain like that in my life. I'd never had a cramp in my life. No, no, still don't have cramps in my life. So when I tell you, I felt like I was going to die. I was going to die. So I went on the floor just like this. I promise you. I was on the floor like this on top of the bed. And Evan's like, what's happening? I was like, I couldn't even speak. I just went into tongues. I promise you, this is like, I'm not even over-dramatizing. And you know I'm dramatic. This is the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So I was just like, he was like, I said, call the doctor. I can't, call the doctor. I can't do it. So he calls the doctor and she says, it's a contract. And how far are they? Like 30 minutes. So he's like, sweet, they said you can't go to the hospital till they're like five minutes or something dumb like that. I'm like, hello, I'm going to die over here. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I don't know how this baby's going to come out. If it's going to come out by some mysterious thing, because if this kind of pain increases, I'm not going to make it. So I am over there crying. I'm telling you, I'm crying. I'm hollering. I'm speaking in tongues. I can't even speak. So Eben says to the doctor, in all my years of knowing her, she's never been speechless. This is, this is a loving husband moment. 
So he says, she's never been speechless. So I suggest that we take her to the hospital because something must really be wrong. So I'm like, yes, let's go to the hospital. So I run over there to the hospital and we get in there and I'm like, I can't take it. Now if it was Samantha, she just walks and drops them. She go, oh, I had a baby. Whoa, when did that happen? And Chase over there behind picking him up. <laughs> because she been trained in cramps. <laughs> she had a stand pain. So that one ain't nothing to her. But me, I was over there in the hospital crying, wailing, gnashing up teeth. I thought this was the second coming. And then the, they checked me and they said, um, you need to go home. You're only two centimeters. I said, so how many centimeters do I need to get to? They're like 10. I said, oh, no, 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 no. We, uh, what can we do to alleviate this though? How do I get out of this? You can take an epidural. I said, yes, right now. Do it. They said, you're only two. I said, do it, do it. I need an epidural. Give me all the drugs you got. What you got? What is legal? Give it to me. Eben was just shaking his head. I'm like, don't shake your head. You don't know. You don't even know what this feel like. So we're going on over there. And so, you know, the labor, one hour went, two hours went, right, 10 hours went. The minute I woke up out of my sleep with that same little sharp thing, drug me, I need a drugs person. Where is he? So I had three epidurals. Yes, I did. I did. They say she have a natural childbirth. I don't know anything more natural than the child coming out of you. Any way it can. Okay. I don't care. Okay, I need, I couldn't do it. So, it, you know, when you go into like 18 hours now, the doctor's like, okay, I'm going to break your water. I said, I don't know what I mean. Because I'm just here blissful now. You know, I'm just enjoying myself because I'm feeling nothing. And many of us want to do that. Do you understand? We want to go through this transition and feel nothing. We want next level and feel nothing. Inoculate yourself to the process. Woo! But I own up my stuff because I was scared. So, you know, you, you, you know. So then she breaks the water. I don't feel nothing because what? I'm drugged all the way up. You understand? So finally she comes and she says, oh, we got to get this baby now. Sorry, you got to push this baby out. I can't feel nothing to push this baby out. I'm telling you, I am on cloud 50. Okay, I'm up there floating. (laughs) They're feeding me ice chips and I'm like, no, no, I want a steak. And so we... She goes, oh, no, you know, so she does that like at 18 hours or somewhere around there. So around 21 hours now, she goes, you have got to get this baby out now. Okay, not time to play. And she's like, you got to push. I said, I'm pushing. She goes, you are not doing anything. I said, I am. I promise you, my mind's telling me I am. So she has to get two nurses to prop me. This is really like, (laughs) prop me up on either side, hoping that gravity will help me. Because I can't feel nothing. I can't help in the process. So now the baby is in danger. Because all the water is draining out. And the oxygen level is becoming too high. You know, she's becoming suffocated in there. And then the child couldn't even come out normal. She's faced up. So they're 
we're doing all of this and eventually she comes up and her whole face is bruised. Her little forehead is bruised. Her nose is bruised because she came upside, you know, the other way up. So all of that, we finally get through it. And how did they get through it? Because they had to take this big suction cup and pull her out. So her little head looked like little cone people. And she was so fat, this child. Yes, it was like almost eight whole pounds. Landon was almost nine pounds. I don't know, because I was only born six pounds, something. It's not me, it's Evan. Evan did it, Evan did it. He's scrawny now, but he was juicy then. And so I, I started thinking that, you know, when it comes to transition, I remember being in there and even with Landon, Evan is not like the best wingman for delivery, okay? So I had Pastor Che in the delivery room with me. You're like, what? For those of you who do not know, Pastor Che is my blood brother. If you're wondering, why Pastor Che gone up in the room? He's my brother. <laughs> this is just not going the right way. And until I was probably 16 or he went to college, we slept in the same bed in the same room. Cause It was like five of us in one room. So... When I needed peace and calm, I called for Che. Because Evan was like, oh my God, sweet. Oh my gosh, the baby's so big. How are you going to do it? Oh, 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 sweet. Oh, oh. Sweet, you're breathing? How am I supposed to breathe? I'm traumatized. I'm trying to say, how can I hold this baby in? And that's the, that's the struggle with transition. Transition is trying to get us from one place to another, from one state to another, from one stage to another. But the di- difficult thing about transition is because it's causing us to move from what's familiar into the unknown, we'll fall in love with where we were. And won't embrace the struggle to get to where we need to be. And so the worst thing you can do and I can do in a season of transition is to make life-changing decisions and to run away from the process when we should run to the process. Amen? So when the water broke, it wasn't time for me to tell the doctor, I don't need you right now. You know, it wasn't time for me to leave the hospital and go try and do it yourself project. That wasn't the time for me to have all my wisdom come. Not when your water breaks and the unexpected is happening to you. That is not the time to do weird things. I wanted to just keep it the same way. I remember even right after having the baby and I was, you know, I didn't even, you know, believe in, uh, what do you call it? Post, what is it? Post, who? Postpartum, yeah, postpartum depression. Because I don't, you know, the word depression, I just don't let it come up my, my lips. But, you know, there was a real thing. But I remember just, you know, my hormones being everywhere, not knowing that's my hormones, right? And I was like telling Eben, you know, I want her back inside. He's like, What? I said, yes, find a way to put her back inside. He said, sweet, this is what we've been waiting for. I said, but it's too hard. I said, when she was inside, she could eat, she could do everything. I just had to roll myself with her. But I didn't need to worry if I was going to starve or break her little arms. I didn't have to have all that in my head. I could just carry and go. So, 
When you are in this season of transition, sometimes you do look back and go, I want the easy way. I want the familiar way. I want what's normal to me. And this happened to Gideon in the Bible in Judges 6. Go to Judges 6. You might feel like you're over your head because you're in a season of transition. But you can handle it. I remember the doctor saying, sorry, you can do it. You can do it. And I'm thinking, I cannot do anything right now. I just want to, I just want, y'all just take me up to glory. Me and heaven can just jet out of here. Because all that you've been waiting for, all that you've been believing God for, all that you've been hoping for, there is a season called transition and it's a very dangerous and delicate season. It's dangerous because a wrong move can suffocate the dream. It's delicate because there's a way to navigate through transition. But many of us have never taught, been taught how to navigate through the transition. So like me, you just want to run from the transition. Hide from it instead of facing it full on. Judges 6, Judges 6. So in transition, you're going to need three things. You're going to need a mindset, you're going to need a midwife, and you're going to need some movement. All right, so we're in Judges 6. All right, so we're talking about uh, Gideon because Gideon is just like me over here. I mean, I realize that, you know, so many people in the Bible are just like me. So what had happened was um, in chapter 6 of Judges, the Israelites, it leads out with the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And I'm reading from the New Living. But the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And so the Midianites end up conquering the Israelites for about seven years. So the Israelites decided to cry out to the Lord. This is verse 6 for help. When they cried out to the Lord, verse 7, because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. And And the prophet said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and I told you. I am the Lord your God. You must worship the, you know, but you must not worship the God of the Amorites, but you didn't listen to me. So then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer, which is amazing because there is a Jewish tradition of planting trees. When you have a boy or a girl, you plant, whether it's a cedar tree or, you know, one for the boy, one for the girl. So this was a family tree. So Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. It was about the time for transition. And where was Gideon? He was hiding. And he was hiding because a threshing floor would have been a large space that would have been open and obvious to where everyone was. Well, the Midianites kept coming and stealing the grain, and so the Israelites were now starving. So what uh, Gideon decided to do was to crush the wheat in the bottom of the wine press. Because the wine press had different levels and it was more situated in a high remote place. So when transition comes, seven years they've been under this thing. Gideon has gotten used to hiding. Gideon has gotten used to making do. I got to get some wheat. I'm going to use the wrong tools, but I'm going to get some wheat anyway. 
And you and I have to be very careful we do not become accustomed to struggle. That we do not become accustomed to our last level. That we do not become accustomed and comfortable to the process of waiting that when it's time to receive, we cannot receive because we've only trained ourselves to wait. You with me? So you and I can be, we can be believing God and we say, Lord, you know, one day I want to own my own house. All right. We own our own house. Our first house was like 1800 square feet. Right. So we believe in God and you want to own your own house and you can be believing and seeing it not happen. And a year one goes by and year two goes by and you're still believing and believing, not noticing along the way that God had been giving you increase. But because that increase has been used on other minor things, when it's time and you begin to look now and an opportunity comes, you go, well, you know what? In my apartment, you know, I don't have to pay for water. In my apartment, I don't have a lawn. In my apartment, you start justifying yourself out of increase because you really are afraid of the responsibility increase brings. But if you can understand that we need the proper mindset in transition, you would know that your apartment could not help anyone. But your house can host a true group and you can change generations forever. So when you have the proper mindset towards transition, things change. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is verse 12 and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And I love Gideon. He was just like, sir, sir. He didn't go like, yeah, that's me. What's <laughs> You know it. It's a thing. He didn't do all that. He was like, ah, sir, sir. If the Lord is with us, why is all this bad stuff happening? And Gideon, he, Gideon real, huh? He was like, listen here, I've long, a long time I've been wanting to talk to one of y'all spiritual beings. <laughs> Over here in the threshing floor, trying to make it out of a wine press. And, you know, mm. if the Lord is with us, why is all this thing happening to us? And where are the miracles? Sound a little salty, don't he? <laughs> and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, are you trying to test the Lord? The Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Transition make you do dumb stuff. The chapter already started out. You're in the hand of the Midianites because you worshiped other gods and you're disobedient. This ain't not the Lord doing There's no protection for your disobedience. You're reaping consequences because of the choices you made, Israel. This wasn't a God issue. This was a you issue. But since you prayed, since you repented, since you've decided to trust me as the Lord, your God, I'm going to come and answer. So God didn't even pay Gideon no mind. He skipped over that. He didn't even answer the question. I love this. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go. With the strength you have. And rescue Israel. I am sending you. You complaining about the process. You complaining that you're struggling. You complaining that you can't get to the next level. It's you I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on you to go. I'm sending you in the strength you have. And the strength you don't think you have. You've got enough. To go. Go have victory. 
Go win. But Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. There's a lot of least going on here, Lord. Because Gideon was getting too accustomed to the struggle. You can't get accustomed to your marriage just being here. You cannot get accustomed to just being the supervisor. No, the Lord wants you to be like the manager and the you know, CEO. He wants you to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith, ever abounding, always moving. This is the glory of God is that he'll take weak vessels and make them strong. There's always change and shift and transformation and transition happening in our life. As we've seen from birth, you understand transition. But as adults, we resist it. A baby turns their body and moves themselves down the canal. They go towards that new place. They go towards it. It's hard. It is tight. It is constricted. They may be gasping for air, but they're making their way. But as adults, we neglect our faith and we forget how to use it. And we decide that we believe for this level and that's enough for me. But God is saying there's a whole group that needs salvation. There's a whole group that needs help. And I'm calling you to do it. So we have to have the right mindset When it comes to it, Gideon had a mindset of excuses. But what I loved about God is that verse 16, the Lord says to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting one man. It's going to be so easy for you. Because I am with you. That's why it's going to be easy. So yes, Gideon. You come up with an excuse, but I got a reason. I got a cause. I got a deliverance about to happen. I got a liberation that needs to take place. And I need you activated in it. And if you will allow me to be with you, you will always win. But in transition, we find excuses. I can't. I will. I remember um, this testimony just came to my mind. But I remember uh, one of our members was going through a, a real difficult um, divorce at one point. And I think all the credit and everything was like kind of in their name. And it was just going to wreck. And, you know, she was just making her way, making her way, making her way. And I remember she just had to get a new car because the car wasn't working. But she didn't have the money to get the car because she was just going through this recent divorce. And so she went there. And when she went, ended up happening that the salesperson... Gave her the down payment for the car. She didn't have the qualifications like Gideon. But the Lord was on her side. And when the Lord is on your side. You have enough. When the Lord is working with you. You always win. So the first thing you need is a proper mindset. The mindset is that you're well able. To make it through this transition. You're well able to conquer this, this Goliath. You're well able to pa- you know, walk through this Red Sea. This is temporary. Right? Transition is temporary. 
Don't have a, a, a permanent attitude in a temporary situation. Right? Don't accept it as this is my norm. No, this is a season. And every season must shift into the next season. So the first thing is to gird your mind up, the mind of Christ, and say, yeah, we can do this. We're well able. The second thing you need in transition is a midwife. You need a midwife. People that come alongside you. In Judges 6, God said, okay, Gideon, you're going to need some help. Get some people. Get an army. And then he whittled it down because he said, okay, you know what? You're kind of excessive now, Gideon. You got like 10,000 people here. All right? Because Gideon was scared anyway. Gideon's like, listen, I need to like put the odds in my favor. Because he was still struggling. But what I love about Gideon is that even though he was struggling, he was still obeying. Even though he was scared out his wits, he was still obeying. Even though he had excuse after excuse, he was still obeying. He was like, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing though. You know, but I'm going to do it. I don't understand where you're going with this. But I'm going to do it. You know, and many of us, sometimes we just sit down and go, when you clear, clarify it for me, then I'll move. Because even though Gideon kept asking him for sign after sign, it was, God was so gracious because he wanted to meet Gideon where he was and show him, I am with you. I'm not leaving you. But you need a midwife. You need a midwife to help you in transition. But I dare say too, you need to be a midwife yourself. A midwife is crucial to the survival of the dream. Exodus 4, Exodus 4. I love this because I remember, um, you know, this scripture, you know, years and years and years ago. Exodus 4, I want to say it is Exodus 4, 11. Let me see here. I could be. 17, Exodus 1, Exodus 1. Sorry, Exodus 1, 17, if you put that up on the screen because I cannot read this Bible anymore and I refuse to put on the glasses. So, Exodus 1, 17. Look at there, look at that bright, bold letters. Oh, but because the midwives feared God and they refused to obey the king's orders, they allowed the boys to live too. Can you go to the next scripture? Okay, next one. And the next one. I'm trying to get you to the end. Okay, the last one, 21. All right, and because the midwives fear God, he gave them families of their own. In the King James, it says he gave them houses of their own. It goes into Ephesians 6, 8. that says what you do in principle for one, God will do for you. When you're a midwife and you help to carry that dream, that vision to pass, God also sets up midwives in your life to help carry and birth that dream to pass. What I love is that God was saying to to Gideon, you're complaining about this, you're complaining about that, but I am sending you. So some of you have gifts and talents and dreams and ideas that you are supposed to use here, but you talk to each other about it, but you don't actually do it. Oh, I'm, you know, I really wish we would, you know, go to the homeless every week. Uh, Judges 6 say, you go. I am with you. 
Hook up with your true group and say, listen, I want to do this. I want to do that. Don't let your gifts and your talents and your abilities just sit there. They are there to be midwives to the dream that God has for this metroplex. Don't have an excuse. Well, you know, I called the office one time. They didn't call me back. Well, you know, I did wave at Lisa Fuller, but she didn't wave back at me. What is that? No. You're, you're good on your job. You're good in your expertise. You're good in what you do. Bring it to the kingdom. Let's change the city together. Let's get Arlington out of the hands of the Midianites. They're starving. Let us take it to the threshing floor and say, God, use me. You are with us. It would be like fighting one man if we all yield our vessel, even if we are scared. Even if it seems like we don't have a clue what we got ourselves into. As long as we will go with God, we can take the city. And the last thing is movement. Movement. You got to do something. You got to do something. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing for God to send support. But if Gideon never went down to the battle, he would have never known that he could have won. Because even when he took them down there, Gideon was still scared. Gideon still asked God for another sign all the way down to the last draw. And God said, Gideon, go sneak over to the camp and hear what they're saying about you. And when Gideon went over there, he heard that the Midianites were saying, you know, the one Midianite guy had a dream. And the dream, when it was interpreted, meant that the Israelites were going to take over and win. And the Midianites got afraid. And all of a sudden, I love this because, you know, uh, and we're going to close on this. But go to now. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, verse 15 of chapter 7. Judges 7, 15. Are you there? All right. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Because, see, you think that you're the small person. Remember, he described himself as weak and small. But everybody else saw him as a champion, as a winner, as bigger than he was. And it says here, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted. Now, all of a sudden, he got confidence because uh, he got a little interpretation. Okay. He goes, get up. For the Lord has given you victory <laughs> over the Midianites. Verse 17. Look at him. I love, I love it. Gideon. I mean, Gideon's like, hey, hey, look at me. Where I go, you go. Where I step, you step. All of a sudden, he's bold and confident now because he realizes his mind takes a shift. He understands he's got a midwife. He knows that he's a midwife himself for Israel. And now he's on the way to battle. And God validates him and says, but I am with you. So Gideon gets all his confidence. And boy, I tell you, it was back in the day, it would be like that song that says, when you move, you move like that. When I move, you move just like that. That's what that song, that's what he said. He said, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, just do what I do. That's what he said. When I move, you move just like that. Gideon wrote it first. Gideon should have been on the the billboard charts. (laughs) Keep your eyes on me. And I love it. Verse 19 says, it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guards, that suddenly, suddenly, God switched that thing. 
We're all in transition. Transition comes to us, but it will not destroy us if we do it the right way. So I want to ask you, where are you in transition? See, and transition can happen to you unexpectedly, like I said. When that, when that doctor broke my water, I didn't ask her to do that. I truly did not. Sometimes things happen to you that are out of your control. And it pushes you into transition. And you can get scared and feel like you're drowning because you are prepared for it. But it's in this unexpected, unpreparedness moment that you have to gasp and go up and reach out to God because you can't find a raft nowhere else. That's where you have to say, God, woo, help. And he's saying, mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, go deliver your city. Go deliver your family. Go deliver Walmart, go deliver Starbucks, go. I'm with you. You can do it. That's our assignment here at Word of Truth Family Church to know Christ and to make Him known. It's our job, every member here, to make Christ known in our daily life, in our daily interactions, in our daily encounters. That is our responsibility. And God will give us victory. When we have the mindset that we know that he's with us. So as we're going through this transition, where, where, oh where can you lend your talents and lend your abilities? Some of you may say, boy, you know, I wish they had this in this department or boy, I was part of that department, but it wasn't organized. You organize it. You be the leader then. Don't be the complainer. Be the leader. Structure it, organize it, submit it. Instead of just sitting down waiting for it to happen. You happen to it. We're 90 days away. It's going to be an amazing thing. And it's going to be like that scripture pastor said. Where it feels like we're swimming above our heads. But we will win. If we all together stand hand in hand. And find something to do in transition. In transition, don't stand alone. In transition, don't isolate yourself. Don't run away from the process. Know that the person next to you is in transition too. And the person behind you is in transition too. So you're definitely never by yourself and never alone. But I just came to encourage you. When the water breaks and the unexpected happen, God already planned for what you thought was unexpected. He already expected to be there. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for who you are. We just pray, God, that the word will fall on good ground, God, and we'll just stand strong in this season of transition. Now, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Or if you'd like to recommit your life, to Jesus because you know you've been kind of on the fence but you're saying no I've allowed transition to beat me down too much I've allowed transition to take me out of